You are listening to For Better Self and Net Worth. I'm Ella, your host, and the mission for this podcast is to empower you to follow your dreams, take ownership of your wealth, and live your best life. I hope you enjoy the episode, and thank you so much for listening. On this episode of For Better Self and Net Worth, I have had the delight to interview my friend Carissa, who is the host of the Beauty Unlocked podcast. It is one of my favorite independent podcasts. Carissa does tons of research and breaks down the good, the bad, the ugly, mainly the bad and the ugly of the beauty industry and how it has developed a mission to make us feel less than so we become a consumer of their products. Well, On this show, we're calling out the BS and we're going to get real and talk about loving the skin that you are in and not the skin basically digitally enhanced, made up, and basically overall altered skin that they want you to be in. So take a listen and let us know what you think. Welcome back to For Better Self and Net Worth. I'm so excited today to have my guest, Carissa. Carissa is the host of Beauty Unlocked podcast. And as I was telling her before we recorded, I absolutely love this show. This show Mm -hmm. features a lot of discussion around our society's unrealistic standards of beauty and for self-improvement on this podcast and for budgeting so much you're, it's very likely that we're spending a lot of money on how we look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. We're spending a lot of money on makeup or even getting surgery or we're considering it. And one of the things about better self, putting on your best self out there mm-hmm. is you do have to love the way you look. Yes. But our society is making it harder and harder Mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. the unrealistic standards. So Carissa, if you want to give us a background on yourself about your podcast, what was your inspiration behind starting your podcast and where you can find Beauty Unlocked? All right, sure. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, so I'm Carissa. I'm the host, content creator, and just producer of Beauty Unlocked, an indie podcast. So um, Beauty Unlocked, it started with, oh God, it started years ago, actually, Um, Not the podcast. The podcast is about a year and four months old. But the idea behind Beauty Unlocked started years ago, like I think four years ago. Um, But basically growing up, um, people always referenced or made references about my weight, about my appearance. Um, We're very critical. We're kind of very judgmental about it. And so I grew up feeling that my self-worth was tied to what I looked like. Mm-hmm. And as a child, you don't understand why people have to make those kind of comments. Even, even your family members, my family members were making yeah. these kind of comments. And so for me, it was just like, I always had, I was self-conscious about the way I looked, my weight and everything. And that started, unfortunately, in my twenties, I developed an eating disorder, um, binge eating disorder and bulimia. And, uh, basically I lost a lot of weight and people started complimenting me. And what it did was feed my demons. And so I continued to, you know, I continued this because people are like, oh, they're telling me that I'm looking great, which means, you know, and because I was losing and losing more weight, 
they were saying I looked great. And I was like, okay, well, at least I'm not getting negative comments about it. And so it fueled that, that demon or those demons, you know, and, and everything. And so at a certain point, years later in my thirties, I'm like, I can't be the only one that this is happening to, that this kind of pressure is put on us to look a certain way or even to behave a certain way. I just, and so I started doing research and I was like, I'm not the only one. And so I started Beauty Unlocked and through Beauty Unlocked, I've come across a lot of other social media platforms that are like-minded and, you know, are all about body acceptance or body positivity or body neutral, whatever it is that everybody practices, but in the sense of that we're celebrating our differences and we are sick and tired of this society, society's ideal of the perfect body. It's just like, we are all different. We are not a size zero. And I just, I came across so many platforms and I'm like, this is so refreshing. I wish I had this in my teens and twenties, but social media didn't really exist in our twenties, did it? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, well, I mean, it wasn't like now my space. Okay. Fair enough. But I mean, it wasn't like it is now. No, so it's yeah. So that's, 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 that's how beauty unlocked started. I was like, I, I gotta, I have to like bring a, attention to this because I'm not the only one who's feeling like this. I'm not the only one who struggled a lifetime with this, you know? And so that's how beauty unlocked started. Well, awesome. And I know here growing up in the South, it was always about how you looked. It was always about if you had a boyfriend or not. Ah, yes. Yeah. People ask more about your dating life than they do your actual accomplishments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it's very similar because I've, um, my mother was from the Caribbean and my father is from the Mediterranean and it's very similar, the culture. They don't mm-hmm. care about your accomplishments. They care about, number one, appearances and number yeah. two, um, yeah, are you married? Do you have children? Do you have a boyfriend? They don't, they don't care about anything else. Yes. Yeah. And all the other things, I mean, they look down upon, they're like, oh, you're still, you're still teaching dance or you're still doing this. Oh, that's cool. But they're not, or, you know, you got a podcast. Oh, that sounds fun. But they're like, okay, are you dating anybody? And I'm like, I mean, look at my schedule, look at all that I've accomplished. And even that, I remember. (laughs) It's, yeah, no. And I remember in college, and I'm in a similar situation, I lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Unexplained. I mean, I just I just lost a lot of weight. I still ate what I wanted. I did a lot of walking around campus, but so that probably mm-hmm. is what I lost what brought the pounds down. And I remember a lot of people complimenting it. Yeah. Yeah. And how skinny I looked. And basically it was all about looks. I remember going through sorority recruitment. When we have recruitment, everybody had to go to a tanning bed. And I don't believe oh. in getting beds because, oh, wow. I, yeah, because of skin cancer and I don't tan. Yeah. <laughs> I go straight from white to tomato. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Oh God. I remember when tanning beds were all the rage though. Yes. Oh my goodness. I remember that was a huge thing. Like back in, Oh, I remember even my Greek friend, she was upset. She's like, let's go. Cause we were living in Geneva at the time where the sun mm-hmm. is non-existent practically. I mean, it's there, but you know, and she was like, let's go tanning. Cause we were so used to having a tan from the sun and here we are like not tanned. And so we used to go to tan and they used to have tanning salons everywhere. I remember. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. no. 
I went once out of peer pressure and I literally felt like I was in a light up coffin. That's what it feels like. It's creepy. It is. It <laughs> is. Glasses and I was just afraid somebody was going to break in and come in there on me. It's yeah. true. No, it's it. And it makes you kind of feel so claustrophobic also. I mean, really? I know you can open it at any time, but it's like, literally, like you said, it's like a coffin with these yeah. lights in it. And you're like, oh my God, what's, you know, yeah, this is, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> and it could be that marketing tactic I talked about in college. I studied marketing and they talked about how some companies will have subliminal death wishes. So in a glass of wine, they'll put like a skull in it, a subliminal skull, smoking, it kind of caters to that edginess. So I'm wondering if the tanning bed companies came up with that concept. It's like, oh, you want to get skin cancer? We're going to give you an invitation. Here, here you go. Here's a box. Lie in it. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, what the hell? But then at this, at a certain point, tanning beds, they, they started like kind of declining in popularity. And then it was the spray tan. Yeah. If you remember like the whole spray tanning thing and you're like, oh, okay. I mean streaky orange smelly yes i have heard that there's chemicals in the spray tans and i haven't done enough research on this they are chemicals that cause they're basically carcinogens yeah i wouldn't be surprised i i I don't know exactly what's in them but i wouldn't be surprised that they do have uh oh uh, cancer cancer enhancing i don't know if that's the right word but i mean ingredients within them because I don't know. I mean, I understand that it's important to a certain extent to get your vitamin D, obviously, because there are many people who who are vitamin D deficient. My sister is one of them. She lives in Virginia and uh, her doctor's like, you're vitamin D deficient. You got to you got to take pills and stuff like that. And here I am living in Cyprus and I'm running away from the sun because my dermatologist was like, you will not go into the sun between 11 and 6 you know, and I'm just like, what do you want me to do if I do have to run errands? And he's like, you're going to wear long sleeves. And I'm like, it gets up, it gets to a hundred degrees. Are you serious? Long like, sleeve. no, no. <laughs> no. I mean, there, there are ways to put UV protection in your car windows, wear sunglasses, wear a hat. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And that's the thing. I love being in the sun. I love being on the water. Yeah. So I'll, you know, I'll burn a little bit, but I, I wear sun protection to where I don't burn. I got burned last week and it's not too bad. It's still peeling. Okay. Oh, but, the, wor- the worst areas are behind like the knee. Like if you get burned behind the knee, it happened to me years ago. And I was like, I'm going to die. Like it was so painful. Ouch. It was so painful. And I remember my back also, I stayed too long on my stomach basically. And just like my whole back got burnt. And I remember it was so painful to sleep for like two, three days. I couldn't even walk properly from like the burn I got. Yeah. And it, it takes energy out of you when you get sunburned. Yeah, it does. Cause you feel extremely tired. That's why I let, that's why in, in the South or even in Mediterranean countries or even Caribbean countries, it's like people have, to, it, it's a slower pace of life in a way because the sun does take a lot out of you. Like when it gets to that point of like a hundred degrees and over, you're just like, no, no, I need siesta. I need a nap. You know, <laughs> I can't deal. <laughs> like everything is going to have to slow down. Everybody can just wait because this is not happening right now. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the good, bad, and ugly of the beauty industry mm-hmm. and what marketing tactics that you think companies use to keep women insecure so they can continue to profit. <clears throat> 
Um, I think when, you know, I think with the beauty industry, especially the good, the good, I'm not, I'm not too sure if there's really any kind of good, but I would say that if the consumer starts making their own products, you know, in the sense of where you, you to cater to the rest of the world, basically, such as like, I don't know, Rihanna's line where she started a, a whole line um, of cosmetics and everything. I believe it's, it's Riri. Um, but anyway, like, I believe that once the consumer turns into, you know, becomes part of the beauty industry, that's where it's the good part of it, you know, because it caters to everyone's needs in a way. Um, but the bad and the ugly, I did an episode about marketing. I did a bit of the history of marketing in one of the episodes of beauty unlocked where, um, we took the example of the tobacco industry, and how it lured women because before women smoking was a big no-no you wouldn't do it and then you know it was something that was just against I mean it was just something that you wouldn't see a woman smoking especially in the beginning of the 20th century but then because they noticed that the population woman's population is, is pretty big and everything they're like well this is an untapped market let's get women to smoke it shows that they're being liberated that they're going against societal norms that they're free that they're able to buy their cigarettes and they kind of started feeding that idea. So you would start seeing women smoking more and more because it changed, you know, they wanted to tap into this market. Um, And so they started selling the good of smoking. There isn't obviously, but in the sense of they were saying, listen, you're a free woman. You can do whatever you want. You can smoke, you know, like there's no shame in smoking. And they really tapped into it. Like, yes, I am a free woman. And I do have like my own economic means to buy cigarettes and, you know, especially during wartime and everything, when men would go off to war and the women would be the ones kind of staying and taking over those factory positions and everything, women started going into the workforce more and more. And so, listen, to get to get them to spend, you, you've got to say, well, you look classy, you look sexy, you're free, you can do what you want. You don't need a man to buy your cigarettes and you don't need a man to tell you that you can't smoke. You can just smoke. And that's how they started tapping. So in a way, they're saying they're feeding into that feminist ideal of I am a free woman I can do whatever the hell I want but they use it against us because they're giving us cancer I mean hello you know what I mean so they kind of used it in a in that marketing tactic and I do believe that the beauty industry does continue to do do so you want to have the soft silky shiny hair buy our product do you want to have dry brittle hair you don't want to have dry brittle hair oh heaven forbid yeah. So you don't want to have split ends. <laughs> so I do. I mean, they, I mean, seriously, they'll, they'll, they'll any way in every way that they can, they kind of um, make us focus on our flaws, but these flaws are the ones that they make us believe that they're flaws. Stretch marks. You have stretch marks. Use our cream to get rid of stretch marks. You have cellulite. Use this cream, you know, for your cellulite. And you're just like, wait a second, how much am I spending at the end, by the end of the year? And this is where you, you come in, you know, on your podcast and everything. It's by the end of the year, the amount of money we spend on such products, but they don't even work. Absolutely. You know, and, and so they've tapped into these insecurities. Oh my God, I have, I have orange peel. Okay. So you have orange peel. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't, okay. That's genetic. Sometimes, you know, it depends on your lifestyle. It depends if you're a smoker, it depends on your genes. It de- There's just so much that goes into it. It's not just, you, you can be a size zero and have cellulite. Exactly. You know, it's genetic. 
it's genetic. You know, at the end of the day, it's something that happens. Sometimes some people won't have it. Some people will have it from an early age. It doesn't matter whether you, 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 you've gained weight or whatnot, you know, you can still get cellulite. The same thing with stretch marks. There's just so many things, but yet they tap into it and say, this is ugly. You need to get rid of it. Where be, whereas before we didn't even think that it was ugly, let's say. No. You know, and when you look at the paintings of the masters, and I'm talking about five, six, seven hundred years ago, I'm sorry to say all these women were voluptuous, were, you know, they had a certain body type. Yeah. And you would see the cellulite, you would see the dimpled skin, and that was considered beautiful. And it goes to show you how times have changed and they flipped it around and they're like, that's not, that's not good looking to have cellulite. That's they, not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was growing up, I was always insecure about being a smaller cup size. That was a B. I'm like a D now, but I was always insecure about that. People talked about, hey, you got to get boobs. You got to get the, but I don't want somebody cutting around there. Yeah. I don't, yeah. you know, I'm not going to have a surgery I don't need, but you look at paintings, all those women in the older paintings had smaller breasts. Yes. Yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it goes to show, because again, it's the, depending on the culture also, but it, it goes to show you how society has changed back in those days, five, six, seven hundred years ago. If you had, if you had more weight on you, it showed that number one, you were prosperous. You had money because you had yeah. money to eat. <laughs> you know, they saw it also from the fertility point of view that that means that you're fertile. You can have children, <laughs> which, yeah. you know, that was, that's what we were basically, you know, that's your whole purpose in life as a woman is to have children, apparently, but that's how they saw it six, 700, a thousand years ago, you know, um, you know, and yeah. And so that's how they saw it. If you were skinny, dare I say, then you wouldn't be able to have children, which is a total lie, but in the sense of that's how the mentality was. Right. So it's just one of these things where, I mean, times change, times change. Yeah. And I've had people comment on, so I've got like a curvier waist. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you have childbearing hips. Oh, so yes. Like, <laughs> like you're going to ask me, of, and people asking me if I plan to have kids and like, oh, do you want me to ask you about your sex life? About your- <laughs> this is our whole point. That's the yeah. thing. You know, this is our point. And your whole purpose basically is to have kids. It doesn't matter if you graduated from university with top honors. It doesn't matter what you were, what you're doing in business, or if you have a podcast or whatever you're doing, it's, you know, you're as, as a woman, what you're expected is to want to be in a relationship and have kids immediately. And yes. just, that's what your life should be that. And I'm not saying, listen, it's like, as if I'm anti this, Whatever you want to do, if you want to have kids, you want to have kids. If you don't want to have kids, don't have kids. It's your choice. And when people ask me this, do you have children? It's like, no, are you going to be paying for my children? Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, are you the one who's budgeting my life? Did you ask if I can afford children at this point? Yeah. Do you know how much stress levels are? Yeah. I mean, what I have on my plate currently. Yeah. Do you think that that's the first thing in, on my mind right now is, oh, I should have kids. I should have three, four kids by now. I, can't, I mean, come on now. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's something, I mean, we may have come a long way. I've been watching the show Mad Men, where they show women, the glamorous women, the stay-at-home yes. women, rich husbands, they smoke. They drank a lot. Yeah. They, <laughs> they drank at work. 
Yeah, they drink at work. And that is the thing. They hang out with other parents or kids. There was a first season where one of the women was divorced, heaven forbid. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Back woman in those who was divorced days. seemed happier than they did. Yeah. 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 She's living her own life. Exactly. Exactly. But that's the thing. It was like, as a woman, especially then, and we're talking about Mad Men is based in the 60s, 60s going on to the 70s and stuff. But as a woman back then, yes, there was the whole feminist movement. Well, the feminist movement started years before that. But in the sense of it was like it was still society said, you are a woman. You need to stay at home and raise have children and stay and raise them. That's your sole purpose. And the man is going to go to work and hang out with his buddy friends, you know, drinking it up and smoking it up. And it's just like, wait, what? (laughs) But it goes to show you how sex is like when you want, I loved Mad Men, but like you see how the advertising world was so sexist yes, and so misogynistic. And you're like, oh my goodness, like what is happening in this? Like, what is this? Yeah. I worked for a small ad agency right out of college. And I remember we ran a contest and one of that contest is winning a car. And they said, oh, the Dodge Challenger is the number one car driven by black people. Okay. Like they wanted wow. the, but the contest had to cater to a certain demographic. And I remember thinking, is this, is, is this how I'm supposed to think? Yeah. To know my demographic yeah. and no marketing. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's, 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 it's the stereotypes that are ingrained that they ingrain in us, by the way, yeah. like they ingrain these stereotypes into our minds and it's just like, I didn't even know that. Like what you just told me, I'm like, really? Is it? <laughs> okay. And those are discussions I, that people are having. Yeah. Wow. I'm telling you. But <laughs> when, you look, when you look at these ads, even from 30 years ago, you're like, this is not appropriate. <laughs> Do you know no. what I mean? Like some of them are, just, and you're just like, oh my goodness. Like even for ads, like for Hoover, you know, like the um, vacuum cleaners and everything. And it's like showing this woman so happy to vacuum. And I'm like, are you honestly that happy to have an electrical? I mean, yes, it helps, obviously. But in the sense of get her a Hoover and she'll be like the hap, she'll, you know, wrap her arms around you and be the happiest housewife or whatever, you know, because you got her a Hoover. If somebody brought me a Hoover, not that I'm saying I don't need a Hoover. It would be an awesome gift, but I would be like, what are you saying to me exactly? Like, what is this? Like, that's, what are you trying to to tell me exactly? That my whole, my sole purpose is to be cleaning this house? Yeah. Are you going to pay a housemaid to use that for me? Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, I'm telling you, no, I can't, I can't. Uh, it's eye-opening like this, everything with advertising and marketing, it's really like eye-opening how they really just, they still have the sexist, they just, there's still the stereotypes, there's still misogyny in some of them, there's still sexism, there's still racism in a lot of like ads and stuff like that, where you're like, wow, wow. It's, It's not as blunt in your face as it was, let's say 40, 50, 60 years ago, but it's still in there somehow. And you're just like, what is happening? They are preying off insecurities of other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the product. If people were truly happy with themselves, they wouldn't need to buy a bunch of stuff they don't need. Exactly. 
they create these wants in us. Yes. What we need in life is pretty basic. We need water. We need air, oxygen. Like we need, these are the things we really need. We need food, fair enough. But in the sense of all the extras is wants and they create those wants. And it's just like, why am I spending over, I don't know, 10,000 per year on things I don't need, you know? Yeah. On anti-aging products, on even supplements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, the, the health and, and, and wellness industry is booming. Absolutely booming. Yeah. Protein it, shakes, protein bars, protein this, protein that. And you're just like, oh my goodness. Okay. I'll just have some almonds. Thank you. And but even then, protein. listen, even then with like that, that whole health and, and wellness industry and the nutrition, I mean, we have that too, is the whole thing of these are superfoods and you need to spend X amount of money on superfoods or you, you shouldn't eat anything that's red because it's bad for you. You should only be eating things that are green. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) And people just like eat this stuff up. They believe in it. And I'm like, food is food. Okay. Like, can we not, can we not say superfood? Can we not use the good and the bad? It's just food. Yeah. I feel like that's why produce sometimes costs more than, regular snacks was because they know people will pay more for it. Yes. Yes. And heaven forbid somebody grow their own lettuce and vegetables and probably healthier than what they buy at the supermarket pre-pesticides because now there's, you can take your greens in, what was this stuff? It's like super greens where you mix it up with your drink and you drink your greens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. The healthy five or something like that. Yes. Yes where it has like broccoli and stuff like that. Basically, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. And it also caters to only one, a certain percentage of the population because not everybody can afford buying that. So basically you're already being, you're, you're, you're being discriminatory um, in the sense of you're putting it in this thing of only a certain amount of people can, can buy quinoa, for example, or I don't know, kale, for example, and these yeah. kind of things. And so you're basically saying that the rest of the people who buy, I don't know, whatever, they're maybe in the, in the lower economic standpoint, and you're saying that they're li- living an unhealthy lifestyle. This is what they can afford that they're buying. Not everybody can buy kale every single day. Not everybody can buy a juicer and, you know, juice like a whole bunch of fruits and vegetables. Not everyone can buy only brown rice, for example. You know, I'm just citing examples. But in the sense of it's already creating this, um, what is it, like an economic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I forgot the word. I went blank. But it, it's, it's creating this kind of, it's just discriminatory. It is. Because not every, yeah. And small towns, a lot of your rural areas, I would call them nutritional deserts. Yes, yes. Because the only place you can grab a bite to eat is at a McDonald's or Burger King. Yeah, yeah. And especially if, like, let's say a, a burger costs, I don't know, 99 cents and a salad costs like five ninety nine. well, what are you going to go for? <laughs> exactly. Or a so. bottle of water. A bottle of water maybe costs $2 where you can get a big giant Coke at McDonald's for 99 cents. Yeah. How are people going to hydrate? So yeah, there's definitely a lot of discriminatory and socioeconomic issues around the food industry. Yes. Yes. Because everyone should eat healthy. 
It, it's the thing exactly. And the thing is, it's just, and it's again, a booming industry, especially in the last 10 years with like this whole health and wellness industry, which also goes into like the, it, it's, it's a booming industry and it's just like, Oh, it's built also on lies. Don't believe yeah. everything that they're selling you. Like just don't believe everything. And it also creates conversations around the dinner table, mm-hmm. especially if you're getting together. I noticed with all women, I went to, we went to cheesecake factory Ooh, I like and they that. got, I love cheesecake factory. Oh my God is so good. But everyone got excited about the skinny menu. Oh, okay. There's a skinny menu at Cheesecake Factory. And then everyone got excited about, I got the key lime cheesecake. Is key lime pie my favorite dessert? Someone goes, hey, that's great because that's low carb. I didn't order cheesecake because it was low carb. (laughs) I just ordered cheesecake because I love cheesecake, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) So why are we having a size you up conversation around a meal at the Cheesecake Factory of all places? I just, I just, I, I already, I find that all of it, I I'm the kind of person, if you want to eat, just eat whatever you want to eat because your body is asking for it. Just eat it. Don't, don't say, no, I'm not going to eat it because I ate too many calories. Oh my goodness. Like I'm anti-diet culture. I mean, I'm just so anti-diet at this point because diets don't work. They're proven not to work. There's always a new fad diet. Um, But I, I hate when it, it could be either from family members or it could be from complete strangers where you order whatever you order. And it's like, they make the comment of, do you, do you think that you should be eating this? And you're just like, yeah, excuse- yeah, I do believe I should eat it. I want to eat it. Don't you think that you should like cut down on carbs? It's none of your business what I should cut down on. Absolutely not. Yeah. Like what? I don't understand how people are just there throwing their opinions at you while you're trying yeah. to eat your meal and enjoy it. And then a complete random stranger can make the comment of, do you really, do you think you should be eating carbs? Or um, even throwing looks. There's a way that some women will throw looks at each other for what they eat. Like silently throwing shade about it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Silently judging. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Like I'm going to eat the cheesecake. I'm going to eat the buffalo wings. And if I want, I want like my my side of fries with cheese and bacon on it. Whatever I want to eat, I'm going to eat, you know. It's my body, my rules. Exactly. And just people, I find that people are more brazen now. And they just come out with, you know, just totally giving their opinions. Like, I'm sorry, you're unsolicited. I did not ask for your advice. It's unsolicited. Yeah. Mind your business. Mind what's in your dinner plate, not what's on mine. Unsolicited opinions just need to go away completely. I'm telling you. (laughs) I don't know. I just, people are so brazen. My mom taught me something that her mom taught her, which is you roll your tongue seven times in your mouth before you speak. Basically think before you speak. And I've noticed that people just speak before they think. Exactly. And it's just like, did your, did your mother not teach you to, to think before you speak? Like, and it's not always about getting your point across that that's something also the culture that we've created is giving unsolicited opinions about what women eat, what women wear, who they date. Why can't you just let people be happy with themselves? I, I, it's, it's as if it's the most difficult thing to do. 
I mean, I understand in Mediterranean countries, it's just out there. You know, there's not even a point in arguing with people. I just accept it because that's how Mediterranean culture is. People just, it's, it's, they always offer their advice or unsolicited advice because that's how the culture is, you know, but you're just the, and there's no point in battling it because they're not going to change their ways. Yeah. So I just, I'm just like, pick your battles, but most battles here, especially in Cyprus where I am. And, you know, I, I don't even fight anymore. I'm just like, yeah, well, you said it like comments like that just go over my head. And I'm just like, I can't be bothered with that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I just kind of have to let for me. I know if like unsolicited opinions, I just have to just not let them bug me. Yeah. going to go about yeah. my way. It's then, like in it's one in one ear out the other ear. At exactly. This point. So and I can't myself with people that are going to encourage me and build me up instead of people that make me feel like I'm on a judgment panel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Judgment panel. Yeah. 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 Well, something I've noticed, we talk about body image. I got my recent magazine from Victoria's Secret and I noticed they're using more diverse models and not just in body shape, but in race, they're using older models. Do you think this is something that's going to last? Do you think that's going to continue to be a trend or do you think they're just going to do it now to appease the complaints that they're getting and go back to their ways and not just Victoria's Secret, but Gap and all the other companies and Nike and things like this. I think that, uh, the fashion industry, uh, as a whole always dictated what's in style, but not only in clothes wise, but also in people wise, like, you know, it was always like the one size fits all. You had to be a certain size zero, or you had to be, I don't know, an Amazonian supermodel to wear their clothes, but they dictated and it put such pressure on people. And I think with social media, and this is the good thing about social media, is that people are fighting back against that. And yes, they're I showing, yeah, I love, I, they're showing their curves. They're like, listen, I have my cellulite. I have my hip dips. I have this. So the public is demanding this from the fashion industry because we're just like, listen, we want equal representation. We're tired of seeing just the one size fits all. Yeah. The human race is diverse and you need to cater to every single body, every single race, whatever it is, if, whatever it is, you need to cater. You can't just be catering to one, one percent. Let's I'm just saying I'm throwing a percentage out there. It's not one percent. It's a little bit, but literally you have to diversify. So I think as long as, as the public, the consumer is screaming for it, they're going to keep you know, um, pumping it out because we want to see the older models or the older, you know, we want to see the older generation being represented. We want to see the different body types represented and the different races represented because that's what it is. That is what it is. And how is this going to look on me? Yeah. And at least, you know, but now you know what it looks on because you have someone who, who's there, who's actually wearing the the Victoria's Secret, you know, uh, outfits, not outfit, but like, you know, uh, lingerie, for example. And, you know, okay, like, look, I see someone who has a similar body type to me and I can see it on me, you know, before even trying it on because there's someone that's representing not the exact same body type maybe, but close enough where I'm just like, okay, okay. At least I know that they're making something to cater to me too. And not to somebody who's a size zero. Exactly. I, and I remember seeing, like we watched the Victoria's Secret fashion show. And I remember hearing about the diet that they're all on. They can't have a larger than a B cup 
Oh God. <laughs> how, how is it possible? Like, I don't, again, it's the thing of like, you know, breasts, breasts come in all sizes and shapes. So how can it just be like, so you're going to be um, running a fashion show with just B cup models. Well, what about yeah. the A cups and the C cups and the double D's? And I don't know what, you know, they make up the majority of the population. Not everybody has a B cup. Right. And it's, it's like, okay, if, how is a bra going to hold up when people buy a bra it's for support? Yeah. Yeah. You can't just support a B cup. It, it, it's, I, uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to fit, let's say a C or a D or an E cup into a B cup? I mean, everything's overflowing. There's, I mean, there's no way that it's going to fit and it makes you feel bad about yourself. Cause then you're just like, my breasts aren't fitting into a B cup. That means there's something wrong with me. That means that I have to change. That means that, you know, I need to do something about it when it's the other way around the fashion, the the company needs to do something about it. not you. Yeah. And the reason I said Victoria's Secret, because I used to work for them and I remember, you know, some girls would, you know, they come in developed and we're measuring them for a bra and there were mothers who would interfere and be like, oh, she, she's not a C cup. She's not a D cup. They would freak out. Wow. Over the fact that their daughter's bodies were developing. And I can only imagine what kind of complex that's going to create within their heads. Yeah. Yeah. About their own bodies. And they're going to become, and a lot of times puberty is the time where a lot of women see their bodies as their own enemy. Yeah. Yeah. That's because we're, we're, we're taught to see it in such a way, you know, I mean, you have growth spurts. So sometimes you get stretch marks because of those growth spurts. It happens, you know, that during puberty, your body is going through so many changes and it's already difficult. It's not only the physical changes, but it's also the emotional and mental changes you're going through at that age. There's just so much. And having that kind of negativity thrown at you about your body, it makes it 10 times worse. And I find that our generation feel like, you know, we're like so different from everyone, but in the sense of there wasn't that conversation around it back in the day, 20, uh, yeah, 20 something years ago when we were teenagers, for example. Yeah. It's one of those things where there wasn't a conversation about it. You just accepted it. So you couldn't have a conversation about, oh, well, I have a stretch mark or I'm getting stretch marks because I'm growing in certain places on my body, but it was so taboo to talk about it, but you felt so bad because you didn't see, again, the representation within the fashion industry of someone who has stretch marks or you wouldn't talk about it because, or people, I don't know. It's like, I never saw anybody's stretch marks growing up. And I always thought that there was something wrong with me. And now I'm thinking, it's not possible that I'm the only one who had stretch marks. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like people did everything and anything they could to hide their stretch marks or anything that they were going through because it was just so taboo to talk about it. It's so taboo. I remember getting zits on my back Mm -mm -mm. in high school and I would see it and then I'm like, oh my gosh, why, why is it coming on my back? It's bad enough. I have to do skincare on my face. Mm. I remember seeing that and I was like, what, what, how is this possible? Yeah. And it's more common than you think, but it's just people, but just, it's just one of those things that people didn't show it. So you didn't know that others had it too. Because nobody wants to talk about it. They only want to talk about just the obvious 
obvious flaws. Maybe perfect skin. No way that you can have like a zit or a pimple or acne. No, no, you have to have like porcelain perfect skin. And it's like, come on now. (laughs) Yes. It's having the porcelain skin and then putting on the makeup. And then I remember in middle school, a lot of girls started saying, oh, I'm so fat. I'm so fat. They were not fat at all, but it was trendy to talk about feeling fat. Yeah. That was a conversation to have. And something that I do appreciate about social media is social media kind of opened the door to say, hey, this is a bra for a plus size woman. This is a bra to fit an A cup or this is, these are leggings that are comfortable and fit everybody. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing more fitness models who don't have the six packs, mm-hmm. the bubble butts, the skinny legs, you're seeing more of that. It's kind of, as you said earlier, it's putting pressure on some of these larger companies mm-hmm. that got used to making the rules yeah. to cater to the population and exactly. self the population. Exactly. And then, then I look at social media and I see a lot of photo editing. Mm. You see a lot of people who become influencers. I actually have friends who have become social media influencers and have made great money doing that. But now the perfect photo comes into play. They have to have the perfect photo. They have to be wearing the perfect outfit. And it has to look a certain way before they dare post it on their social media. Yep. Yep. Yes. Do you think that's going to be a new demon? Or do you think social media has the opportunity to speak louder for the voices of all women to be more inclusive? I think... And I, I see it with like my niece, she's like 21 years old. So she's that impression. She's not a teenager, but she's just right out of, you know, uh, that puberty stage kind of thing. She's 21 years old and she's so impressionable. And she looks, she's scrolling through social media and she's just like, why can't I have that body? Why can't I have, you know, this stomach? Why can't I have those legs? And I'm like, you do realize that your body type is completely different to this person on social media. And you don't know what filters they're using, how many times um, they've taken that photo, what positions they're putting their body in order to, you know, they're manipulating their body in certain positions to look a certain way. You don't know what's happening. You're just seeing the end product. You don't know what's going on beforehand because it's not one picture they take. They take 20, 30, 40, 50 pictures and they pick out of that and they start manipulating it. And I'm not saying that about all social media accounts. But the majority are like this, you know, and it's like you don't know what's going on and you people don't show the real them on social media. I feel like, again, it's like the masters of illusion and we're able to pick and choose what we want to show people. So we're not going to show, let's say, the boring, mundane routine every single day, waking up at five o'clock making coffee, sitting in front of the computer and starting to work. I'm going to show you the picture of the cheesecake I ate. For example, I'm going to show you the boat trip I took, but that's not happening on a daily basis. That's once in a while, but they're not going to show you that. So it makes it seem like it's on an everyday basis to be put together. I'm not saying that people don't put themselves together every single day, but we're not going to be wearing the the Vuitton, like Louis Vuitton, like kind of, you know, clothes every single day. Are you saying that you're sleeping in your Vuitton? (laughs) You know what I mean? 
or do you have flannel pajamas? Because for sure you got those flannel pajamas. Like you cannot be sleeping in this bathrobe that costs like $5,000. You know what I mean? And I feel like I wish there were more influencers that would show what it is. And we do, we are seeing this trend, you know, actually in influencers, like for example, where they're showing the, um, this is the posed look and this is me not posing, you know? So they, they show the posed look where it's like a flat stomach, perfect legs. And then they show the unposed look where they're showing their cellulite, you know, and their, their belly. And you're just like, okay, this is a trend. We need to be seeing more of this, but I want to be seeing more of the unposed look. I don't want you to be sucking in your stomach, holding your breath, you know, and posing and putting your back in a certain way for you to, to get that image. I want to see more of the real and the raw. And this is what I have to constantly tell my niece. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know their life. You don't know what they're just showing you what they want to show you. So I think for, I think, I think there's a a healthy mix. I think it's like 50, 50 on social media, for example, where they, they are those accounts you know, that show the real and the raw. And then you have the other accounts that just show the complete fake, you know, lifestyle of I'm boarding a private plane right now. Are you though? Are you, or are you just posing in front of it? How much did you spend? Are you sure that's your lifestyle? You know, are you sure you're posing in front of your Bugatti? Cause I want to see, are, is that really your Bugatti? Or is it that one that you found in the street and you decided to pose in front of it? The thing is that social media is just smoke and mirrors. I was, and just, yeah, I was just thinking, I would love to see the travel bloggers post about flight delays, sleeping in the airport. Yes. Yes. Travel a lot. We've all done it. I want you, I, I, you cannot tell me that the, plan la- the plane landed and you look so put together because when my plane lands after, I don't know, a a five, six, 10 hour delay, I'm not going to look like they do. I'm going to have the messy hair. I'm going to look like a swamp monster, to be honest. Already when I travel, I do not look my best. I'm in my sweats. I'm not dressed to the nine, you know, I look, I have bags under my eyes. I look like a right mess and I just want to get to the hotel and rest for a bit. And that's, that's what we want to see. Cause those travel bloggers, sometimes they just show the perfect picture. And I'm like, that's not possible. That's not possible. This is me walking on the beach in a full flowy dress. You know, holding my, my significant other's hand as they're taking a picture yeah. um, of me. And it's like, mm, no, I want to see the real. I want to see, see the See myself in a bikini with my hair all sopping wet because I was swimming in the ocean. I just, I just, I, I, I just think that I think you, you have to kind of sift through social media. And I think with social media, any account that makes you feel bad in any way, shape or form about your life. I, I'm the first one to say unfollow, unfollow, um, unfollow them because they're feeding you. They're feeding you a, not a dream, but they're feeding you, they're feeding you lies. It's no different. I see social media as like a a movie. Depends what kind of movie. It could be a romantic movie or a comedy, whatever. I just see it as that. It's, It's selling you lies. It's selling you an illusion. 
And it's like, if it makes you feel bad or if it makes you feel like you're missing out on something, unfollow immediately. I think there, there has to be like, a, you have to sift through accounts, you know, and, and really you can find, you know, those influencers that are real and raw. It's not all influences that are all fake and stuff. I'm not saying that, of course not, but I'm saying you, you can find um, an amazing like-minded community out there, but you just have to like scroll through it, you know? You have to, you have to take, you have to, and even like support groups, support pods, or I click through hashtags to find other podcasts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. other independent podcasts. Cause I want to listen to other independent podcasts. I want to support them. I want to learn best practices from them. I find that the podcasting community is an amazing community. I haven't, I, I personally have not fallen on anyone who's negative in any way. I love in my that. Experience. I don't think yeah. I have either. I mean, I, I find people who do a ton of research, a crap ton of research yeah. who put it out there and their pure intention is to put out good information into the world. Yeah. And those yeah. are the podcasts I listen to. Yes, yes. It's I think the indie podcast industry is just an amazing industry. I I know we're I don't I don't remember the percentage of like indie podcasts, especially in the past like year, year and a half, how many have started and stuff like that. But um of course you have the industry leaders, let's say, you know, you have like Michelle Obama who has like a podcast and you have, you know, you have the big names, you have Oprah, you have Conan O'Brien, you have whatever, uh, Joe Rogan, you know, and stuff like that. Yep. And they're great. I'm not saying don't listen to them and, and whatnot, but it's just like, you'll find great information in indie podcasts as well, the smaller indie podcasts as well. And it's definitely, that's, that's the thing of the podcasting, the indie podcasting community. It's just like what you can find from the, the, the industry, the big industry leaders in podcasting, you can also find in the indie podcasting world. You can find in the indie podcasting world yeah. and you can find people that you relate to. Yes. Yes. We, we don't have an unlimited budget <laughs> of like, I don't know how many millions, like, you know, and we're not sponsored by, I don't know what, you know, and stuff like that. We're just, we're showing you the real raw. And sometimes it's, it doesn't come out perfect. <laughs> and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of investment on our end. Yes, it is. It's the yeah. hours of research. It's it, 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 there's a lot. People think that podcasting is like the easiest thing to do. And it's like, no, no. I've, learned, I've learned that it takes up a lot of, it does take a lot of dedication, effort, takes a lot of research. And I started the podcast knowing I wanted to start one. Yeah. And it's become a journey for me. Yeah. What equipment I should use, an intro song, how much it costs to use certain music as an intro to your podcast. Yes. Be able to build on that and give a quality product to the audience. It's also the thing of whether, I mean, depending on your budget, if you want to outsource some things, if you can outsource some things, but if not, then everything, you're, you're, you're the everything. You're the content creator. You're the producer. You're the host. You're the everything. You're, you're, you're the marketing team, marketing, <laughs> everything. Yeah. The advertising, it's a lot of work. social media manager. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot. People just think you sit there and you just record and it's like, no. Already there's so much more that goes into like before even sitting down to record, there's like a ton of stuff that happens before, you know, and then you have post-production, which there's like tons of stuff going on there until you get that final product. There's so much that goes into it, you know, so, but it, it, it's all about being consistent, right? With everything and anything in life, it's consistency and dedication. If you really have a passion 
for it, then, you know, it's going to push you to, to always deliver or try to deliver, depending on technical issues sometimes that happen, <laughs> deliver the best content to, you know, your listeners. Because <laughs> sometimes we get, we get into like a bit of a mess with technical difficulties. Microphones don't work. Computers don't work. Yeah, I, I've been really honest on my show about technical difficulties, about buying a new computer and it not taking the microphone, mm-hmm. about trying to edit. Yes. I've just been upfront about it. Yeah. It doesn't I think work. honesty is the best policy and it shows the real you, you know what I mean? Like it's not the perfect, there's no such thing as perfection. It's like, I'm going to show, I'm going to tell you, it's been a mess of a week. It's been <laughs> a mess of a week. It and I have no one to blame but myself. I can't say, oh, my team is trying to work on this, my team this, my team that. Yeah. You do that with a lot of big names. I can't blame my team. My team is yeah. me, myself, and I. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Most of the it time. Me, myself, and I running this show and trying to run a life. And sometimes things just don't go as planned, so you know. Exactly. But I think, I think the audience appreciates that. Because it's just like, oh, they're human like us. Because I feel like with these industry giants, you feel like they're not human. Because they just put on such a pedestal and it's just like, and the indie podcasting community is just like, no, 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 no. I'm going to be real and direct with you. It's a mess right now. (laughs) I'm going to repeat myself. I'm going to say, um, or, uh, every now and then I'll nod my head a lot. I know in interviews, I say, yeah, a lot. Cause I want to agree. I, and I even recorded my last episode, the word time. I've said, don't create a drinking game out of the word time because you will get alcohol poisoning. Because I said the word time so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. No, I, I, I mean, I use some sale. I use some filthy language on Beauty Unlocked. And I try not to. Or I try to, in the beginning, I used to edit out the ums and the uh. And because sometimes I forget. Not that I forget words, but they don't come. Sometimes I just go blank. Like it happened right now. And like, you know. And so... And I'm just like, at first I would try to edit out as much as I could. And now I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be real with you. I use a, I use a lot of filthy language. So sorry about that. I do say like a lot. And I think I would have alcohol poisoning. Like is a great <laughs> number or a great filler word for yeah. our generation. Yeah. Like, like, and, and it annoys a lot of people when you start off a sentence like, and they're like, no, don't <laughs> <laughs> oh, I used to get berated for it growing up. It's just I one of those words. Like, like. I, don't, I think I would get definitely alcohol poisoning from using the word like too much. I'm just like, ah, <laughs> oh, whatever. It's okay. <laughs> and I try not to swear on my podcast because I have a broader audience. I have a lot of friends with children who probably listen yeah. to my podcast while they're driving the car with their kids. But it, at the same time, if I slip up and say, I was going to say like shitload earlier, the word shitload. It's just an everyday conversation for me to say, oh, a shitload of this or the flipping, the flipping computer, effing computer. Yeah. I could yeah. say flipping instead of the other F word. Yeah. Oh, I just, I just say whatever comes human. to mind. Exactly. I just say whatever. And I'm, I do apologize to people. And I, I have said in the beginning, sometimes on my podcast, I, I just say it directly. I'm sorry. I'm throwing the F bombs. I'm throwing the S bombs. I'm throwing the big C bomb out there. Like if that bothers you, please 
switch off like this show because you're going to hear me rant and rave and I'm not going to be thinking about my language. It's just going to come out. So if you have issues with that, please don't listen to any episodes of Beauty Unlocked. Because This is coming from a place of passion. I'm yeah. going to use passionate words. Yeah. Which a lot of times I would, in real life, I think like I wouldn't use this. It depends what, who I'm around or who I've surrounded myself with. But I'm not going to throw the C-bomb out there like so easily. But, um, you know. I mean, I, I tend to watch what I say around my dad, for example. Like, I won't throw the F and C bomb around, but I do throw a lot of S bombs. <laughs> yeah, because our parents grew up in a different generation where that was yeah. a punch. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're just like, that is absolutely filthy language. And it's like, it's me. Sorry. You know, it's, it's just a word. I feel like, I feel um, when we were growing up, the F word was like so taboo to use like you would not use that word whatsoever and so you kind of when you heard it you would be like "Ooh, you just said the f word but i i find that we can't i can't we can't we can't filter out life for our children i'm not a parent myself but i was a teacher at a certain point and there's certain things you cannot filter they're going to hear it at a certain point so might as well explain to them (laughs) that you know, what the, the meaning of the word is, you know, to a certain degree <laughs> and that you should, you should be careful how you use it, but you can't, you can't protect them to that point. They're going to hear it. They're going to hear it. It's not as taboo anymore as it was, you know, 20 years ago or 25 years ago, but, uh, and they're going to say know. it at some they point. Are. Eventually they will. I they remember hearing the C word for the first time. I'm like, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> or even in uh, You Are a Badass, Jensen Chara talks about her mother not knowing what the word twat meant. <laughs> the word twat in a HOA meeting and people were looking at her very judgingly. <laughs> <laughs> These are words that I didn't come across until I started working with a lot of English English people like from England because um, there's a huge uh, population of, of English uh, people here in Cyprus because we were an ex-colony and stuff like that so there's a lot of Brits around I didn't hear the word twat or even the c word until I was like in 23 24 years old I didn't know what it was and actually to avoid using the c word we would see we would say see you next Thursday <laughs> I love like, that <laughs> but I remember like colleagues of mine saying that and I would turn around and I'll be like what are you saying and then they would say the word and I'm like oh oh okay I see I understand okay I get it I get it I got you I know all right but now it that's why you're gonna say see you next Tuesday okay or Thursday and, or whatever <laughs> and language is another societal standard it's just another don't say this word. You can say that word. It is just another way that we filter ourselves in a way. It's just, I, I hate when people say, uh, act more ladylike. I, Sit like a lady, speak like a lady. What does that mean? That what are you talking about? That was an excuse. My, my brother was allowed to listen to certain types of rap music. And the reason I couldn't is because ladies didn't listen to that type of stuff. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Like that 
standard, that kind of double standard of like, my brother can do this and I can't do that. How come? Or he can listen to this and I can't, you know, I know. I don't know. I, I grew up with the whole thing of ladies don't sit like that and ladies don't speak like that and ladies don't act like that. And it makes you so self-conscious, doesn't it? And it makes you like always second guess yourself. And you're like, at a certain point, I've always been like the oddball in my family. And now I just, I tried so hard for so many years to change who I was to fit that mold they put me, like that they wanted to put me in. And I just didn't work. And then at the end, I'm like, you know what? I am this person. I swear a lot. I do not sit like a lady. I don't even know what the he- what that means. I do not speak like a lady. I am me. And if you don't like it, even if you're a family member of mine, the door is there. Bye. You know what I mean? Like, it's either that you accept it or you don't. I try. Of course, there's people that I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. But at the same time, it's like I've felt so uncomfortable for so many years trying to adhere to these societal rules, you know, and gender norms and whatever, gender rules and gender norms, that is just exhausting. And at a certain point I threw it out the window and I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's, it was like, I was, um, it was sucking the life out of me to pretend to be something I'm not. It does. In when you have to put on a show for people, when you have to quote unquote, be on or be a different version of yourself, I've learned that it literally sucks the energy out of you. It's like you constantly have to think about the next thing you say and how you say it and how you word it because there's this, you know, this pressure and it's just like, no, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't deal. I'm just going to be the person I am. And if you don't like it, then I can't do anything about it. I didn't like the person that I tried to be because it was going against my nature to be something I'm not. So I'm not going to be choking myself and not be expressive because, you know, it, it, you don't feel comfortable in it. I haven't felt comfortable most of my life because you tried to make me the, this person that I wasn't. So it's, it's better to be hated for who you are than approved of for who you are not. Exactly. And the exactly. chasing is exhausting. I think the concept of being a quote unquote lady mm. in our day is almost an illusion. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I know that there were these things, these, um, oh, I don't remember like the magazines, but even like 50, 60, 70 years ago, they would have these, uh, these books, you know, of how to be or act ladylike, you know, and how to, they even had the manuals of, uh, um, well, we know they had finishing schools and stuff like that, but they also had manuals of how to be the perfect housewife and how to be the perfect wife and how to be the perfect mother. And I'm like, what is this? Like, what is this? It puts such pressure on our ancestors, you know, even if it was a hundred years ago, 150 years ago to be something that maybe they weren't. I watched, this, yeah. I watched YouTube videos on how to be more feminine how to have the femininity, which femininity and what it really is and what it's portrayed as are two totally different things. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched this YouTube video and it said, always have your nails painted, fake eyelashes. I watched this and I said, this is exhausting. It is. I mean, if, if somebody is into it, that's awesome. But if you feel like you're pressured into doing it, 
And that's where I'm just like, I draw a line there. I'm like, if you feel like you, you're pressured into, I don't know, um, getting laser or facial hair removal or doing your nails or whatever it might be, I feel like that's where I say you're going against your nature. If you don't feel like doing something, don't do it because, you know, it's not going to make you happy. Absolutely. I mean, I get, my, I, I get my nails done, but it makes me happy. It's not for it's not to impress anyone. It's just that I love getting my nails done, but I don't do them myself. You know, I just like that, you know? And so, but I'm not someone who's going to spend two, three hours on makeup. Absolutely. Because it's not my thing. I I don't enjoy that. It's more effort than it needs to be. I mean, I think I, I get myself together in less than 30 minutes. I can curl my hair and do my makeup in less than 30 minutes. And that's, and that's fine, you know, because that's what you, if you had to do it, like get ready and it would take you four or five hours and you didn't want to, you would just, at the end, you wouldn't even want to go out if you're forced to like do it like that long, you know, do the makeup, like, and all this. No, 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 no. Like, I mean, props to anyone who does it. Exactly. That's your choice. That's that. If that's what you like doing, that's awesome. You know, there are people who do like spending one, two, three hours you know, putting, applying makeup, but that's not for me personally. I, 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 I can't. I want to be able to go out and have fun. Yeah. Wouldn't be an issue, especially this time of year. Shouldn't be an issue if you get all sweaty or. I feel like people get weird about that too. Like we're not supposed to sweat. It's hot. It's humid. We're going to sweat, but I feel like there's this thing, this stigma attached to sweat. Like it's so gross. And I'm like, it's normal that our bodies are trying to cool itself down this is what our bodies are meant to do so we sweat we perspire like it's something natural that our body does and we're always trying to go against that and it's like people get weird about it and buying a hundred dollar leggings because you sweat in them Mm -mm. for something that doesn't i go through leggings i mean they they're not built to last forever nope nope Oh, Navy's gone for $15. I bought a $10 pair on Amazon. Me, my, um, my whole thing is comfort is key. So I'm, I, I mean, like you said, leggings are not built to last. I've made a few holes in my leggings because of my nails. <laughs> like, I'm just like, whoops, like, what am I going to do? You know, like I, I'm, I'm all about comfort and I'm not into this. That's why my mom, for years, she was saying, Carissa, you let yourself go. Bless her heart. Seriously, my mom, my mom passed. But in the sense of she used to say that she's like, oh, when you were in your 20s, you would always wear your high heels and you would have like your makeup and you would dress a certain way. And now she's like, what happened? And I'm like, I'm all about my comfort now. I'm not going to wear high heels. My back hurts. My ankles hurt. I'm not trying to put a show on anymore that was the person that was trying to put a show on for people now I'm just like you're going to see me in flip-flops you're not going to be seeing well depending on weather conditions but comfort is key so I'm not going to make myself uncomfortable you know to make someone you know look at me I'm just like no yeah my corporate job I do have to dress in the suit and do the hair and the nails and the heels and when I have time to myself the last thing I want to do is worry about being dressed up, having makeup on. Yeah. Or walking shoes that are not comfortable. Exactly. Exactly. I have time to myself. Yeah. Oh, I should do an episode on like high heels. 
Oh, you should. <laughs> I'm sure there's all the shoes tied to them. I get asked all the time, how can you walk in those shoes? <laughs> how can like I I look at the the high heels I used to wear and I'm thinking, how would I wear that? Like they were pretty high. And I'm thinking, no, n- now you would ask me to wear high heels and I would I I I can't. I I absolutely I can't. And I'm thinking I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Like, I know it's like you, you, you wear the suit and the high heels and stuff like that for, for your job, but oh my goodness. Like I, I wouldn't be able to. It's, 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 I walk differently in them and it's mainly because I twisted my ankle skiing. Oh, okay. Doing something I really, doing something I really enjoyed, but then I got in the heels. It's like having to almost like my own physical therapy having to get back into work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. After the pandemic, when I wasn't required to be out and about as much. Yeah. 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 We were definitely pretty, I'm telling you during the pandemic, especially last year with all the lockdowns and everything, everybody got comfortable in their sweatpants. They were just like, don't have to go into the office, you know, unless you were essential worker and stuff like that. But in the sense of don't have to go to the office, I'm going to lounge around doing my work in my sweatpants. I'm going to be comfortable. And now this year, since a lot of people are, are going back to work, it's, I think, a struggle for them. It, it is hard because you're getting back out of being comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do I do now? And they're um, a boutique that I work with, Bella Jack Boutique, mm-hmm. and I'm ambassador for she has lines of clothing that are specifically for comfort that you can wear to the office, wear out oh, to nice. drinks and are still comfortable. Oh, that's nice. That's awesome. They'll fit well, feel like butter. That's the, that's the word butter. Smooth as butter. Oh, nice. That's, that's, see, it's catering to like our, this is what we, we, we want is to be comfortable. And it's great that, you know, there's, there's a business out there that's like catering to that need of being comfortable, but yet, you know, having a certain aesthetic, you know, of you can wear it for drinks or you can wear it to work or you could, you know, wear it wherever you want, but as long as you're comfortable. Exactly. Feel comfortable yeah. and confident. Yes. What are ways that you feel like women can get beyond all the superficial beauty standards that we talked about in the world and fall in love with themselves? Because your self-love is going to be what reflects upon the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's when, I think when you find self-love, when you really fall in love with yourself, that's when you find the people that are meant to be in your life. Exactly. Exactly. They gravitate towards that. Absolutely. I think, it, you know, it's, it's a learning process in the sense of, I compare myself in my twenties to now and everything. And a lot of people that knew me in my twenties, they're like, why did you let yourself go? I didn't let myself go. It's that I'm not pretending anymore. And it took a very long time to get to where I am. It's not like a one-step process of falling in love with yourself. It's continuous. It's continuous work because we're, we're force-fed wherever we turn. It doesn't matter if it's on a, a billboard. It doesn't matter if it's on social media. It doesn't matter where it is. We're force-fed this... We're force-fed lies. It's not... Um, so automatically you feel bad about yourself And this is where I started my kind of self-love journey about six years ago, um, where, and and it's still a process, but it's really sifting through and understanding that what we see is not always the truth. Take it with a grain of salt and understand that you don't know what you're seeing. You don't know this person's lifestyle. And you really need to 
how would you say it? You just need to really sift through and say to yourself, okay, this is not what I'm into. If somebody says to you, you need to, I'm just giving an example for uh, an example. You need to lose 15 pounds to love yourself. I can tell you, and I'm sure there's going to be people that are going to agree with me or that have gone through this. Um, my lowest weight, I don't know what it was in pounds, but it was 60 kilos. I was extremely skinny. It was not healthy. Society would say that I was happy because I was thin and skinny, but I wasn't. Of course, I've gained weight since then. And I'm just like, I'm happier now that I was then. Why is that? Because the weight that I was, it, it didn't matter. My weight was not at the same thing of like my mental health. I think this is the thing with the beauty industry and the health and wellness industry is if you're skinny, it equates to happiness. And that's not true. It absolutely is not true. And because I'm extremely anti-diet and, and all that, I'm, I'm just against diet culture in general. I've learned to say I wasn't happy at my 60 kilos. I wasn't happy because I wasn't taking care of myself. And so I started saying, what makes you happy, Carissa? Well, first of all, restrictions don't make me happy. I stopped restricting myself. If I want to eat, I'm going to eat. Fact. Um, I'm not happy when I have to pretend to be some, someone else. It doesn't make me happy. Maybe it makes other people comfortable, but it doesn't make me uncomfortable. Or it doesn't make me comfortable. I stopped pretending. And those people started falling away. They just did. They stopped. They, they just fell away from my life. And I felt okay with that. I wasn't dependent. I wasn't dependent on their validation. I don't need your external validation to make me worthy of myself, of, of who I am. The most important thing is to know that everything else around you, the noise around you, whether it's from friends, from family, from colleagues, whatever, it's just noise. The most important thing is to make yourself happy. You have to, and it's not a selfish thing to prioritize yourself, your needs. I think we have this thing where we live in a society that says, oh, well, that's very selfish. You can't just prioritize yourself. And it's like, um, for me to be at my optimum, yes, I do need to put myself in priority. It's not selfish. If you want me to, yeah, if you want me to be functioning, then I need to prioritize myself, self-care, whatever it might be. Could be reading a book. It could be getting away from the computer. It could be whatever I want it to be. Doing a hobby, an extracurricular activity, whatever it is. I'm going to put my happiness first. And for those people that are unhappy, well, then you're not my people, are you? If, if, if you want me to make you happy first, well, that just goes to show how selfish you are. I can't be pouring from an empty cup. I just can't. Absolutely. That was the, that was the phrase I was going to go to is you can't yeah. pour from an empty cup. And to give your best to the world, you have to be happy. Exactly. And, and it's the littlest things. It's the littlest changes that I did. Um, to make myself happy, um, and to accept myself. The most important thing is to accept. I think it was that it was the whole thing of accepting the kind of person I, I really truly am and accepting and anything else was just noise. And I didn't, and that's why a lot of people are like, you're such a hermit. And I'm like, because I can't deal with people's BS. The older you get, the harder it is to, what my, my friend says is to bullshit people. 
Yeah. She talks about it. She says, you know, I have a job where every day she, and she's an esthetician. So she works in the beauty. Okay. She says, I have a job every day where I have to be on 24 yeah. seven. The last thing I want to do when I get off work is to bullshit people. Exactly. Exactly. At a certain point, you're just like enough. I understand if it's for work purposes. Yes, you do have to put a certain, you know. Yeah, exactly. You do, of course. Like if you're an esthetician and things like this or customer service and all this, unfortunately, you have to put this face on, you know. But at the end of the day, with the people that you you surround your friends and your family outside of work and everything, if I can't be myself around you, then I don't want you in my life. I'm so sorry, but... I'm not going to have you in my life. You know, I want to be comfortable around you. And there's only a few people that accept me for me. And I'm okay with that. It's, it's, it's quality over quantity. I think as you, you, you grow older, you know, when you're younger, you have tons of friends, what you would call friends and stuff. But as you grow older, you only have a certain small group of friends that you could be truly yourself in front of. Exactly. And the universe kind of brings people into your life that are more like you, the more that you have like-mindedness that are going to support you along your journey. Exactly. I love that more and more people are talking about finding self-love, how that's the greatest love love of all, because to get the best version of yourself to the world, you have to love yourself and you have to take care of yourself. You do. Just the bottom line. It absolutely. It's absolutely true. It's, it's very true. I think uh, it's a lot of people always say, you know, I don't know, but it's the thing of you have to fall in love with yourself first and foremost, because you're going to spend the rest of your life with yourself. You're your, your longest and biggest investment because you're going to be with yourself. You're inhabiting this body for a certain num- a number of years So it doesn't matter who you have around you, but know that at the end of the day, you're your longest and biggest investment. And you have to, you have to be in love with yourself. You can't expect people to love you. I mean, you could, of course, you you can show a certain side of yourself where people fall in love with you, but truly to truly be yourself, you have to love yourself. Like you said, it's, it's, it's absolutely necessary. And that's the most important. It's, it's the, validation from yourself that you need first before anybody else's validation. And when you validate yourself and you love yourself, you start to see the other noise around you. Yes. You need to lose weight. You need bigger lips. You need to do this with your hair, the beauty standards. Yes. It it all becomes just BS. It all just becomes noise. Absolutely. But you, you realize it, like you realize the lies and you realize you become more self-aware of what you've been force fed throughout your life. And you're like, this is total BS. This is absolutely total BS. And you really start to see things and analyzing things. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no more of the lies. Like no more of the lies. You just, you see the industry at the end of the day, the industry is just, any industry is just trying to make a profit. That's the way they survive. How are they going to profit you? They're going to profit from your insecurities, from your self-hate, your self-loathing, you know? And once you actually start to see this and understand this, you start pushing away and saying, no, I don't want this because I don't need this. I don't need someone to tell me or someone that makes me somebody, an industry making me feel bad about myself. I don't need this. And you start seeing that it's like a recurrent kind of pattern throughout a lot of industries. 
And you're like, no, I see right through you. And I see your tactics and I'm not interested. I'm not playing the game anymore. You see what's going to add value to your life versus what won't add value to your life. Exactly. Exactly. So talk about, so on this podcast, we do a book of the week. Mm -hmm. I want to hear about a book that you love and would recommend to the listeners. Ooh, one book. Um, so any book, this is is a, (laughs) this is a book that I, um, I read actually a few years ago and it made me understand a little bit more. Actually it was two of them, but one is ask and it, and it is given written by Esther and Jerry Hicks. Oh, I love I Abraham know. Hicks. Yes. Abraham Hicks. And um, the other one was by Napoleon Hill. Think and grow rich. I have that book on my, yes. so on my bathtub, I have a little stand Think and grow yeah. rich on my stand. There you go. And it's, when you read these books, again, you become more self-aware of things. You start understanding things and how things work and everything and how, again, there's a lot of external noise and you need to kind of get rid of that external noise and really listen to what you want. And in, even with Napoleon Hill, I think they even said it. Do you remember the song um, um, Lust for Life by Lana Del Rey and The Weeknd? No, they but actually- I Lana Del Rey. That, but they, so she has a song with the weekend called lust for life. And there's a, a lyric in there that is taken from Napoleon Hill. And I remember when I heard the song, I was like, isn't this Napoleon Hill who said this? And it was, it said, and I actually had to write it down. We're the masters of our own fate, the captains of our own souls. And she says that in the song. And this is what Napoleon Hill wrote in think and grow rich. It's basically that we are, uh, we have the power to control our thoughts and by controlling our thoughts, we're able to get what we want in life. And especially with Napoleon or yes, Napoleon Hill, it's, you don't want to surround yourself with the naysayers with the no, no, no's because a lot of people project their own fears into your, into you. If you say that I want to have a successful podcast and then you're surrounding yourself with people who say, well, that's impossible. Well, they're just projecting like their own fears and they don't want you to grow. In order to grow, you need to surround yourself with like-minded individuals. That's how it is. Like you were saying before, this is how you, whatever you want, you know that there's the external factor of things, but in order to change anything, it has to start from the internal And you have to be self-aware and you have to realize that there are going to be many people around you or many situations that are not for your highest and greatest good. And you need to get rid of that. Not everybody is your cheerleader. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's a harsh realization. It's, it is, it's very harsh to think that there are people out there that you might have known your whole life that are not your biggest cheerleaders, the cheerleader. They just don't want to see you succeed. And as many memories as you share with those people, you need to get rid of them because they're always going to be the naysayers and they're always going to be holding you back. Yeah. From your true potential. So you definitely need to, you know, it's, that's what I liked about these two books is that it made me realize that, yes, I do have power over my thoughts because the mind is a very powerful thing. We already know that. And there's this quote that says my uh, mind is a noun and it's um, the mind is a beautiful a beautiful servant, a dangerous master. And it's one of those things. The thing is that it's, and it's not to say that you're going to be 
happy in every situation in your life and everything. Of course not. Life is difficult. It's meant to be lived, obviously, but it's the way your mindset. If you're going to see negative in every situation, you're going, you're going to just see life as a negative, as something negative. But there is a silver lining and you need to like really see that, that yeah. there's something, there's a, a learning opportunity in everything that happens to you in life. Yeah. If and, it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. Exactly. And the most difficult thing, of course, is in order to change the experiences you have, you have to change yourself. You have to change the way you perceive things. And this is the power of the mind. So yes, these books are, you know, they teach you certain things about manifesting or, you know, growing rich. It's not just saying to yourself, I want a million dollars. Well, that's lovely. Who doesn't want a million dollars? What are you going to do about it? How are you going to get it? It's not just sitting on your ass, excuse the language, and saying, I want a million dollars. No, that's not how things work. You need to set in motion. You know, you you need to set in motion. You need to have a plan. You need to have an idea. And then you have to have a plan in order to set in motion things that will help you along the way to get to a million dollars, for example. It It could be more, it could be less, whatever it might be, your goal. But you're going to have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. And that was what I think my book is You Are a Badass. And that's ah, how yes. I introduced to Think and Grow Rich. I remember reading this and in the same way being kind of pissed off about myself and thought, you know, not realizing how powerful a mindset was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up here and attitude is everything. And I thought that's just what they said because they wanted to refine us or straighten us yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it really is. You, you... You can't, uh, you have to have a go-getter attitude for sure. At the same time with this of, you know, working on your goals and working on your dreams and whatever it is that you want in your life to bring into your life, this whole thing of that you have to work 24-7, I don't believe in it. I don't believe that you have to exhaust yourself to get your goal. I believe that there should be an equal amount of work and leisure where you're just... You need time away from things. I totally believe in that because otherwise you're just going to exhaust yourself and you're going to get angry with yourself for not reaching your goal. But that's because you're setting impossible standards. Sometimes you have to take it slow because we live in a society that says you need to work, 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 work. And it's just like, yes, but you need to take a step back and relax sometimes because otherwise you're just going, you're going to work yourself to death and you're not going to ever be happy you won't even realize that you you've reached your goal because you're so into that work mode you know yeah and there's a glamorization around working and having the life that society creates and it's you've got to earn your keep you know look at this look how hard I'm working there was a I'm not going to say the name there was a blogger author that I used to follow constantly and all she talked about is how hard she worked and how that's how she got what she got so you took but, no time off? Like, is that what you're telling yeah. us? And the other thing too is it diminishes people who do work hard and don't see what they sow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Because there's people it's who true. work hard and, you know, barely get by. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's one of the things I've noticed though, like um, in, uh, in Europe, it's a little bit different compared to like the States or even maybe Canada um, is that... Here we're trying to diminish the hours of work 
<laughs> like in certain countries, it's 30 hours and in other countries, it's in France, it's 35 hours of work. And they want to diminish that, you know, because here we're not all about the make money, money, money. It's not that money is evil or anything. It depends how it's used. But in the sense of our life's purpose, I find is that we need we go. There's a balance between work and play. And we really want to relax. Whereas in the States, I've noticed that people work like 80 hours in a week. And I'm like, how is that possible to work 80 hours a week? Like, when do you have time for anything other than work? When do you have time to spend with your friends, your family, yourself? Like, how is it that you're working? You're working yourself to death. Whereas in Europe, it's like, no, 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 we, we need our you know, we need our three days a week off or whatever it might be, you know, because we see the importance of the work-life balance. Whereas I find like in North America, it's more of like just work, work to get by basically. Exactly. There are some companies based out of Seattle. I forget what this guy's name. His name is Jeff something. And he had found that his employees are more productive in a four-day work week. Exactly. Yes, that's what the Swedes believe also. In Sweden, they believe the same thing, um, that they're, they're more productive in a, in a four-day week. You know, you, I mean, I'm sorry, you're working your employees, like, to the bone. Like, how is it possible that you think that they're going to get anything done if they're little, literally crawling on the floor, like, unable anymore? It's not being productive. Like, these 80-hour-a-week things, is, it's just, it's ridiculous. I see it with my sister also who, who, who lives in the States and works in the States and everything. And I'm like, do you ever have time for anything? And she's like, no, she was supposed to change her car. And I asked her, so when are you going to change your, uh, your car? And she's like, I don't have the time. What? You don't have the time you need to go. If you don't have time to change your car. I don't under, what do you mean? You don't have the time. Like you have to make the time. And she's like, no, I'm always busy. Okay. All right. And she's like, people don't retire until they're pretty much like they die. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like here we take our age of retirement in our seventies, maybe 75. It's changed a bit before it used to be 60 and stuff like that. And it's gone up. But in the sense of, I'm like, how can you not retire and you just die working? Like, I don't understand that. And what's sad is by the time a lot of people get to the age of retirement, they don't get to enjoy it. Nope. They're too busy battling health issues. And there's a lot of health issues surrounded by sleep or lack of sleep, stress. Stress. Yes, that's the thing. Stress is a silent killer. Stress is a silent killer. I mean, it's, oh my goodness. Like, I I just don't know how people do it. Like, I remember working like maximum 40 to 42 hours a week back in the day. And I used to, I used to get, I would be exhausted when I would come home. Like nobody could talk to me because I was just so tired. And I was only working 40 to 42 hours a week. I could only imagine like working 80 hours a week. Are you serious? No, no. No, not worth it. And that's one of the things like the, we're also known millennials get a lot of criticism, but we're also known as the burnout generation. Yeah. 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 I mean, oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's something that has been ingrained and instilled in us for so long. And it's different. It's difficult to break that kind of pattern um, and mindset as well. But it's just, it's just, it's something that doesn't, that no longer works. Like companies can't be expecting to work their employees to the bone 
and expect miracles, you know, to happen, you know, by, I don't know. I mean, of course, like companies see a lot of their employees as replaceable, which is sad to say, but it's just like, it's not, it's not working, working to the bone. No mental health first. You got to put your mental health first. Yes. Put yourself first. Now speaking of self-care, what is the one thing that you will always splurge on in order for self-care? Good question. The one thing you don't budge on. I've got an answer. Some people say toilet paper. Some people say their technology. <clears throat> no, I mean, well, I mean, I have those things, but in the sense of I don't splurge on those things, I'm not going to buy the most recent iPhone or anything. But um, I think the one thing I don't budge on is my nails. I get my nails done. That's the one thing that I will. Great. Yeah, I, I always get my nails done like every every three weeks. I'm just like like clockwork for me. I get my nails done. And that's one thing I won't budge on is that, um, that, and probably, I don't know. I think that's the number one thing I won't budge on. Like if somebody says cut back on your spending, I'm going to be like, I'll cut back on everything else, but my nails. But your nails. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That and tattoos. I have a thing of like where I get tattoos, like quite often <laughs> so that's one of my splurges I, I get tattoos also so yeah <laughs> you get a tattoo you cannot stop getting tattoos that's the thing once you get one you just you're just full of ideas and I've noticed I mean I started I got my first tattoo I was uh, 15 and uh and my first piercing I think was I got my nose pierced and then my tongue pierced and I was like 14 15 and so, and since then I'm 37 now and I'm still going, I don't have my nose and my tongue pierced anymore, but, um, I still get tattoos. And that's one of the things that I'll keep spending on. Yeah. I love a nice I tattoo. I haven't, I'm terrified of needles. That's the only reason I don't have okay. them. But I, I always come up, I've got my MacBook here and I've got all these stickers on the back that I think represent me. And yes, yes. Yeah, no, this it's the two things I think I would, I splurge on and I won't budge. I will, I will cut back on other things, on subscriptions to other things I could deal with, you know, without, but like with my nails and my tattoos, but I get my nails done like often and tattoos, I get them like, I get a tattoo almost like once a year. So nice. yeah. Your most so, recent but tattoo. My most recent one, I'm, it's not finished yet, but it's like my, my uh, Ganesh. That's so cool. Yeah, it's my Ganesh. Um, the ink is still like, because I have very thin skin on the inner part of my arm. So that's why it looks like the ink has, you know, kind of, but uh, it's not finished yet. So I'm going to finish it next Friday. I'm going to go and finish my Ganesh tattoo. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm super excited. I, I, I think the tattoo artist is probably like sick and tired of seeing me, but. Oh, he's not. He's just like, oh, God, you again. You again. I'm like, yeah, I have more ideas. And he's like, oh, God, okay. But he's yeah, tattoo, you? I mean, him some business. I know I bring a business. No, but he's an awesome tattoo artist. So I have no I have no issues with him. But like, uh, I just I have some unfinished tattoos also, but I'll get them down the line. I have a massive one on my back that I still need to finish. And that's just the pain. Just thinking about the pain and I'm like, I'll, I'll wait a little bit longer to finish it. But this one wasn't so bad. So well, people, I love it. And tattoos are a way of basically creating your own standard of beauty. 
Oh yeah. There, there is a form of expression, you know, and I, I mean, not everybody's into tattoos. I say that we come into this world kind of like with an empty canvas to a certain extent. And I find that it's up to you whether or not you want to paint that canvas. You know, my parents are, my mom was so against tattoos. My dad hates tattoos. My sisters don't like tattoos. Um, my nieces and I, we're just like, yeah, tattoos everywhere. So we're, we love tattoos. This is a form yeah. of, of expression and yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, I just want to personally thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, you awesome. put a lot of value to the show. I know listeners are going to love this. Talk about your podcast and YouTube channel where people can find you. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so you can find us on uh, Apple, iTunes, Spotify. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find us, Beauty Unlocked, the podcast. Um, YouTube, it's the same thing, Beauty Unlocked, the podcast. Um, because of technical, uh, technical issues, I haven't been able to upload, um, my most recent, uh, episodes onto YouTube, but I'm working on them. I'm telling you, my computer is just like giving me <laughs> the roughest of times, but I'll be back to actually creating videos, um, very soon, shortly on Facebook. You can find us on beauty unlocked the podcast and on Instagram, it's beauty unlocked podcast. I will put a link on my Instagram and then I'll also put a link on the show notes as well. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And I know everyone's going to look forward to hearing more from you on the Beauty Unlocked podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome speaking to you. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you again for listening to For Better Self and Net Worth, an independent podcast. If you enjoy the show, please feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Amazon and help me get the word out. Help support the show and also feel free to connect with me on Instagram. My handle is Eloconomic or check out the For Better Self and Net Worth webpage. It's www.forbetterselfandnetworth.com. I look forward to connecting with you guys and sharing more value. And again, I cannot thank you enough for supporting my podcast.